All right, welcome back to Irish Cryptoctica. I'm really excited to have Brian Shin back on the show. He's from Uptick Project, and I think he's got a lot to say about what's going on over there. Henry, uh, can you get us going? Yes, wonderful. And uh, well, great to have you back, Brian. Um, I, as somebody who's been with Uptick since the very beginning in the testing phase, uh, one thing I can say about Uptick Project is that your dedication to exploring the needs of the creator community, what what changes need to be made as your project evolves, that you listen so intently uh, and take everything very seriously. And I, you know, I haven't had that experience uh, so, so clearly with any other project yet in the space. And I think that's a testament to, um, you know, what will be the end product as you, as you arrive at that. So uh, welcome back to the show. And I, th I think it would be great just to start off with, uh, you know, the general updates. What, what things can we look forward to as far as changes, uh, evolutions, etc. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Yeah. So I'm so glad I'm um, back to the show, and thank you, Harry, and thank you, John, for giving me the time and the opportunity to give some updates yet here. Yeah, so uh, I, I would say, uh, you know, so uh, in my view, any type of uh, internet product is a live product. So it should involve and uh, grow with the community, with the users. Uh, so that's the way I try to uh, do uh, optic and uh, drive the app, optic app uh, along with the community. Yeah, actually, I learned a lot from the episodes uh, from you guys because uh, you have a lot of interviews with uh, other projects and also bring insights based on your experience in the like art history and also the insights uh, uh, on NFT. So that actually uh, bring a lot of uh, uh, well thoughts and ideas to me and my team because we really want to grow with the real users right so like a creators artists and also end users collectors so if we can understand what they really want and what they're really looking for that's the well uh, very valuable uh, for our product because we are not defined a done product, right? Delivered to the market to see it's uh, live or dead. So we need to grow. We need to grow like a, like a baby, right? To uh, then be, become a grown up. So that we actually enjoy this uh, process a lot. And also, especially with you, because we had some conversations uh, about the features, uh, user experience, and also uh, something in the broader scope. So let me give you some updates from Optic side. So uh, the first part is, uh, well, most important part is uh, uh, whatever we already put it in the market, we want to in increase the user experience, uh, the usability of this app. Because, uh, you know, uh, the purpose is uh, we really want to let uh, general public, the internet users can really use it. Uh, whatever you uh, you try to uh, create, publish your NFT, or you want to collect, buy NFT. Uh, uh, we want to make make it easy 
as easy as possible, just like a normal internet application. So I think we did something uh, pretty good in this area, but there's a, still a lot of room to improve. Uh, and also let's dive into the uh, artist side. Well, you are uh, a wonderful artist uh, also. So I, we, we learned a lot from your uh, ideas. For example, you know, uh, in the next uh, few weeks, we are going to have a major upgrade of, of this Optic app. Uh, for example, for the artist homepage, we need to display all uh, artworks this artist uh, ever published, no matter it's sold or not sold. Uh, and the second part is uh, uh, we, we take your input as uh, we, add, we are adding the burn function uh, because, uh, well, you, an artist might be uh, by mistake, right? Publish a, a NFT artwork uh, by mistake on the price or whatever other descriptions. So he wants to withdraw it. So because on blockchain, there's no way to undo it. Uh, the only way is to burn it, right? to, to destroy it. Then they can re-mint this uh, art as a new one. So these are all good features we learned from you. And uh, yeah, we, we, we just put into practice. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to list all the details here, but I, I would say user experience will be better based on, well, uh, all, all kinds of conversations we have with you and in the community. And we welcome more people to join our community, give, give us inputs. And the second part is, uh, you know, uh, currently in the NFT market, the most uh, NFT application, they are all web-based and uh, linked to a, well, a crypto wallet plugin like a MetaMask. And uh, all the price tag, uh, so most are just, uh, uh, well, by cryptocurrency, right? Like ETH, BNB, whatever. But we also uh, take uh, some input from uh, some artists say they want to, uh, well, basically they want to sell and receive stable coin, just like USDT, USDC, this kind of uh, stable coin. So we are also going to add a st stable coin price tag uh, for the artist, whoever want to publish in this way. In that way, they can publish mark as a stable coin and also they can receive stable coin. So, yeah, I, I think this is uh, probably useful for some traditional artist who is not uh, really into the crypto market yet. So they, this can help them to uh, calculate the value uh, of their artwork uh, in the market. Yeah, you're, you're eliminating volatility. Yeah, 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 that's true. And, uh, and also, you know... Uh, uh, so one thing uh, in our past uh, conversation and also in some of your episodes, you also mentioned that the social uh, function uh, is very important uh, in the, that app because, you know, uh, the, the purpose is not it's just like a make a flash sale, right, uh, in the marketplace for artwork. Uh, we really want to build a, a platform which can attract artists and the collectors uh, to stay together. Uh, to build the relationship between them, uh, I mean, the long-term relationship. Uh, this will definitely help uh, the artist uh, well, and the collector stay in the platform 
and also uh, really uh, well uh, build the relationship, right? Be, be based on the valuable NFT uh, artwork. Uh, so they, they publish or collect. So uh, the social function is very important. Actually, in the very beginning, we have the social uh, function uh, basic elements ready. Uh, for example, messaging, and also like uh, you can follow somebody, you can message somebody immediately. Uh, so we're going to enhance that. So another part is a, uh, we're also building a digital gallery a function. So it's, uh, first it will be available in the app. So for the collections you have in your crypto wallet, you will be able to uh, first is, uh, show off to somebody else, right? Uh, uh, and, and also provide the permission to somebody else to browse your private uh, uh, gallery. So just like uh, I invite you to my collector room, right? Collection rooms to, to take a look. Uh, so, so we're building that. At the same time, uh, we are adding a web function in our official website, uh, which is also called digital gallery, so that we can also expose mm. some artworks in our website. So that will be a first step to, uh, to prepare for the web version of the whole Optic marketplace. Yeah, so that's uh, all the functions we're we we working on. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's uh, the, the wish list is keep adding. It's longer and longer. So let me ask you, with regards to uh, interface at the artist profile page, are you going to or have you set it up so that additional um, information like a podcast, a blog, a website, um, a CV, etc., can be part of the artist profile um, in a clear way? Yes, of course. That's uh, that's very important part. So basically, you can put all all kind of uh, social media accounts uh, with links uh, in your profile page, so that people can well, uh, go to that pages. And at the same time, the the, the description, right, CV. So uh, and and also we can include some pictures. Uh, in the future, maybe some rich content uh, media like a sound or voice or videos. So we just want to make sure this can be a true home for the artist to introduce himself. Yeah, so give, uh, please give me more inputs mm. when, once you see it. So we, we, we really want to add it. Yeah. Will do. Now, the other thing we have discussed in the past, as you know, I, I'm also uh, working off of uh, Foundation at the moment. Foundation, Ferrer, um, these are more specifically fine art oriented uh, sites. They're, they're not as generalized as Uptick. They're not trying, they're not as ambitious as Uptick. Let's just say that uh, they are focused specifically on fine art and not really much else. That being said, the, the art and the artist, the relationship to the foundation app, uh, they've really sort of brought home the value of the auction. And I'm wondering if auctions uh, in a credible way will become part of uptick so that as a function for artists, we would be able to uh, establish 
like say our MO of sales through auctions because they're actually pretty exciting. Uh, they drive traffic, they mm. drive sales, they increase valuation without the artist mm. having to commit to overpricing their work. Um, and, and I think that's important. And I hadn't re- quite realized the value of that so clearly until I, until I started uh, uh, working with foundation that you, if you set a price, you know, like mm. I've set price records many, many times for myself on uptick, but there's always the, you always run the risk of uh, scaring off, um, you know, new collectors who maybe don't know your work that well. And so when you set a price, um, say like you set it for 5,000 iris, then you ha- you run the risk of moving people out. But if you set an auction with a reserve at say 1,000 iris, you know, you have collectors in the space who um, are ready and willing to break that price record and ready and willing to take that auction and run with it. And then you have collectors that want to get involved and don't quite know your background yet. And so the auction serves as a great way for new collectors to realize the value growth of artists that they're looking at. And I'm, I'm wondering what, what your thoughts are on auction. I have, I have one more comment about the auctions, if you don't mind, to throw in there too. So as a collector, when I, when I, I want to buy something from you know, one of my favorite artists, and but if I'm sleeping and then it comes available and then it's sold, I have like no way to know that it's, you know, there's an opportunity to get it. Or when I wake up, I don't know if something's been issued and sold or not. But I think also with the auctions, it would give a lot of people a chance to see that, okay, something's coming up and, you know, be more aware of it and put in a bid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let me just add one more thing to this, Brian. So, of all the auctions that I've seen and worked with, what seems to me the most effective is a 24-hour auction. And, and like what John just said, what that does is it sets up a 24-hour sh- uh, period where the sale is underway beginning at the first bid. So let's say I mint on uptick and, and you have an auction function. It's 24 hours. I set a reserve bid for 1,000 iris. Until somebody purchases, uh, or puts in a bid for 1,000 iris, because that's the minimum, the, the sale does not begin. So like John said, he goes to bed and I haven't minted any works. I'm into work five minutes after he falls asleep. And I put that into the auction. So it's set at 1,000 as the minimum bid. And let's say one minute after I... I mint and set my auction uh, going with a minimum bit of a thousand. Somebody places a bit mm-hmm. that gives John 24 hours to notice the auction. So for like, he, so what he's saying is for collectors who don't want to miss out on their favorite artists, the auction gives them the opportunity to not miss out on their favorite artists. So just another way of thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. So uh Henry and John, what what you said is exactly uh, right. Uh, So actually, you know, uh, in Optic team, we already have this auction uh, plan in place for a while. Uh, The reason we haven't uh, published it uh, yet is uh, we we, first we want to build the basic framework ready to make sure user experience is ready uh, because uh, we don't want to make it too complicated. Uh, at the very beginning. But the auction function is really, really important for especially, you know, uh, I, I was talking to the 
to my team today. So maybe in the next version, we also need to add another uh, separate category, uh, like a artwork. So, you know, currently we have a, 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 like an event ticket, uh, digital collectibles, right? So, so we want to separate artwork as a separate category because why? Because uh, uh, we, we think artwork should be a, like a one of one. Uh, if it's one of one artwork, uh, so it's, it will be ready to do the option type of setting. Uh, but also it, it can be also open to other type of uh, uh, collectibles. But, but uh, in general, I think, uh, so uh, once we have this uh, marketplace uh, in place and uh, the basic uh, purchasing, purchasing process in place, then the next step is to add uh, different methods of uh, setting, right? And also maybe some different methods, methods for uh, playing with uh, the collect collections you have in the pocket. So for the auction auction Wonderful. side is, uh, yeah, it definitely important because, uh, you know, I, are, I, I myself, I also missed some wonderful artworks, right? From from Daniel, right? So I the other day I checked with you. You said, "Oh, uh, when he published it, it's gone." But when I wake up, it's gone. So yeah, that's definitely. Mm -hmm. So it's not just because there's there's, there's a lot of a type of auction methods. Uh, we also try to uh, put a different type of templates inside, such like uh, like a, you can set up a timer. You can you can set up a limitation uh, for 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 uh, well, in some scenarios because uh, you know uh, also maybe you can also go straight to the uh, to a, a target price to buy it immediately, right? So instead of waiting for the uh, well people bid for it to increase the price. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to play with the auction. So we also monitoring a lot of uh, uh, websites, uh, the auctions they are doing. Uh, so so I, I think, it, yeah, it's basically it's uh, very important to have this kind of, uh, uh, I, I call it different ways to sell a artwork or collectibles. Yeah, so you will, you will mm -hmm. see that very soon, yeah. Good, 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 good. Um, and within uh, the category of art, which I love the idea of, of establishing it as its own category for mm. creators, because the it be, uh, and we've talked about this, extremely important is going to be to eliminate orientation parameters yes. on the types of uh, images that are uploaded for NFT minting. Um, the way collectibles, which I get that that's where you started and the collectible card is that shape. It's, you know, a traditional poster art mm -hmm. orientation, uh, like three by four ratio, but you know, the, 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 the square, the rectangle, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's vertical or horizontal, like mm -hmm. none of that should be limited. Um, because especially, you know, if you, if you, if you're, you're going to eliminate, a, a lot of very good artists if you do not have landscape yeah. orientation uh as part of your uh available options yeah exactly yeah that's uh, that's why we we think a separate category for the artwork is very important uh so it's uh yeah it's far more beyond the traditional collectible cards or whatever photo photographs yeah so yeah so we are keep improving that so 
Uh, and, and another, uh, I would say, pre, maybe a pre-announcement for a, a big news to, to you uh, at, at, at this moment is uh, we already uh, have a cross-chain capability uh, ready uh, now. But, well, it's uh, the first uh, cross-chain is between our optic network, which is uh, well, based on Cosmos IrisNet, uh, and the cross to the BSC, Binance Smart Chain. So that's the way to, uh, to let our user have the freedom to transfer uh, the, uh, the, the NFT assets uh, between those chains. Uh, so this will expand their, well, basically the, uh, the, the liquidity of, uh, of the NFT asset uh, uh, between different uh, blockchain economy. Uh, so the, once we have this ready uh, with BSC, it means we are opening up to all type of uh, Ethereum technology powered public blockchain. So that will be a, a, a big step forward. Huge step. So let me ask you a question just to clarify. Uh, you say you have, you know, so interoperability, that's the holy grail for the market right now. And mm. I'm glad that you guys are working hard on that. Mm. Um, the interoperability with BC, uh, BSC, is that across all platforms that operate on BSC? So, for instance, is there any kind of um, permissions that need to be acquired for the artist if they want to move to, say, Twincy or they want to move to mm. Refinable or uh, Binance NFT? Mm. Like, does is there a permissions needed or is it just automatic? Well, currently, uh, the, the, the NFT asset transfer uh, is automatic because you know uh, uh, we can because uh, once we bridge the protocols between our part and the BSC part through the different smart contract, so the the asset can be transferred freely. But the uh, the marketplace in that uh, blockchain, uh, whether they can recognize such asset or not, uh, it depends on the marketplace. Uh, so still need to well, talk or uh, have certain of uh, permissions. So but we, we are going to do it step by step. First, we want to make sure in the network level, protocol level, uh, all the NFT assets can freely flow uh, among all different blockchain economies. And then once it's available in that blockchain economy, so uh, the application in that blockchain should be able to recognize it. Uh, so, it, of course, we will also provide a certain data standard uh, for them to, uh, to interpret it uh, in the right way or display it in the right way. But on, on, our, on our side, so our current goal is to really make uh, Optic as a, a, a place that can aggregate all type of uh, NFT assets uh, uh, which can be freely distributed in different blockchain economy, but still stay in the same optic application. So basically in the uh, next step, you can see, uh, maybe you can still see a lot of artworks listed in the optic, but there was a small tag say, this is on Iris, this is on BSC, this is on Ethereum, yeah. In order for, if I were to mint a work on uptick on the iris protocol mm. and then the you utilize the interoperability um, is the work is the nft uh token 
with the metadata of the art then wrapped to be operable on a BSC chain or eventually the Ethereum network? Does that, does that mean like, you know, you have to have wrapped Ether or you have to have wrapped Bitcoin? Does that mean it's an, a wrapped NFT? Uh, yeah, you can describe that uh, in that way because, uh, you know, uh, basically uh, NFT asset, you have on-chain data and off-chain data. Off-chain data is not going to move. And the on-chain data is basically it's a contract on, on, on the blockchain. So basically, if we want to transfer this one to the other blockchain, uh, so we need to uh, kind of like a, uh, uh, just, just like a pegging uh, from, uh, from main chain to side chain uh, mechanism. So basically, you are, you are holding it uh, in this blockchain and uh, issue a new one in another blockchain. Uh, so, uh, but, but we have a, a middleman contract to control that. Yeah. It's like a bridge. Uh, Currently, it's like a bridge. Yeah, because uh, right. uh, between the if it's inside Cosmos Iris, uh, 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 well, economy, we can use IBC directly uh, into blockchain communication yeah. protocol directly. But it's uh, it's it's uh, between this one and the Ethereum technology. So basically, we build a bridge uh, to do that. Yeah, where I wonder the issue of the minting costs mm. on Ethereum versus the lack thereof mm. with the uptick mm. uh, on Iris protocol. Now, if, if you were going to create that bridge to Ethereum, so like within the Ethereum network, you know, you, you as you know, all of the various uh, platforms, you know, if you mint on OpenSea, you can, and you can see those mintings if you're on Mintable or Rarible. You know, it, they're they're because it's on the Ethereum network. Um, if you if you are building this bridge, that means you're saying that I would be able to take my minting on Uptick for next to no gas move it across the bridge to rareable wrapped as we as we said and then it would be able to be sold on rareable if if that's the case then i would just i'm i'm curious mm. how you're going to get around the permissions because mm. uh wouldn't if the ethereum network frown upon that because then everybody would mint on uptick and move to sell on mm. rareable mm. well yeah. So I'm curious. Yeah. So there's uh, basically two steps. Uh, whether it will be available in Rarible, I'm not sure because the Rarible is an application. They uh, try to select what type of NFT asset they want to recognize and uh, uh, put it available in the marketplace. But for the first step, uh, we should be able to make make those NFT assets available uh, on Ethereum tech, uh, blockchain. So whether the marketplace on top of this Ethereum block, blockchain can recognize it, it's a next step story. So we just make it available first. Uh, so, okay. uh, so in order to make sure it's available to uh, other marketplaces, uh, so another step is to really provide a, a metadata standard uh, so other people can, and if they want to, uh, uh, well, uh, include this type of, say, optic NFT uh, assets 
in their marketplace. Yeah. Uh, so they, they should recognize the metadata uh, that we provided, right? So because that's the way to interpret. So whether uh, the special attributes they need to display in, in their UI. Uh, but basically for the basic token, uh, anybody can list it, but you know, NFT requires more metadata attributes. Well, you know what's fascinating is I could see this as a competitive advantage for um, blockchains kind of almost unionizing against mm. the larger market forces of Ethereum. If you mm. consider that mm. um, there are a lot of different platforms that like whether they're on BSC or Cosmos or Tezos, uh, Theta, etc., all these, you know, uh, primary blockchains that, uh, you know, the, the applications are building on top of with your native coins that are so inexpensive to mint. Mm. The offset is sort of like the market force of Ethereum is that it is it has the most global exposure. Right. So yeah. you have the allure to the most artists of significance because of global exposure and you know, um, the sheer number of platforms, the ERC 721, uh, you know, the sort of collectible mm -hmm. standard uh, in the elite houses. Um, a lot of collectors are will only mm -hmm. collect, you know, I'm saying at the highest end of collection, they'll only collect the set, the set, the ERC standard. They're not collecting the native coins as much. Um, I think that can mm -hmm. change drastically and quickly with a kind of and i say unionizing but that's the wrong word it's just the right concept that if all of these mm -hmm. like uptick uh refinable binance chain um twincy theta uh hen on 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 tezos that these are these sort of satellites that are building on native coins that have great the you know the great benefit of of gas cost if they were part of a sort of satellite as a larger entity that would really be a, a force to be reckoned with against uh, ethereum's market dominance in this space yeah i agree uh what what you said so you know the vision of the arctic uh, is not just create another say monopoly right another uh, self-controlled uh, platform uh, to to manipulate all kind of uh, nft assets the the, the vision is uh, really to be open uh, to be de yeah. decentralized dis distributed uh, so we provide we, we want to provide the best service best uh, well uh, well financial model so people to attract artists uh, to uh, or creators to mint their assets from Optic Network. At the same time, we also provide the best user experience for them, right? To help them to stay in Optic uh, application. Uh, at the same time, we want to be open. We because uh, you know, for anybody who buy who collect uh, the NFT asset from Optic, uh, the assets belongs to collector themselves. We should not control that. Uh, so we should open up the door to help them to move the assets yep. to the place wherever they want. And hopefully they, they will find Optic may, might be a very good place to, to put their asset here and to play with that. So that's uh, my vision for that. Just like, you know, uh, 
glo- uh, in the past uh, years, uh, globalization, right? So people uh, try to connect a different uh, regional economy together to take advantage of uh, the value of each uh, regional economy. Just like we, we, we can build something in China and we, we can sell it in US, right? Sell it in Europe. Uh, so the, the, the company can get better profit from that. Uh, so so we, we should just connect them together and that, then we see how it grows. We should not be be closed. I like this. You know, uh, uh, and across the market from my surveying, the you are by far uh, have the most inclusive um, with regards to expanding across the market. Interoperability being a primary goal, uh, remaining decentralized, being a global network, um, and you know, ultimately that inclusivity. Uh, and sort of lack of elitist, you know, you know, staying within your protocol. That is so refreshing to me. I think it's one of the highlights of your your mission, with at least with regards to um, sort of the future of the NFT. Because I think, you know, at least so far, most of the native coin based chains really seem to be staying in their their mission still feels situated in that sort of isolation of like, you know, th- this is the coin, the native coin, this is our platform, you know, be part of this and, and stay here, you know? Um, so I, I, I applaud you on, on that global, uh, that global outlook, you know, that global sensibility that, you, you you don't really have boundaries here, and I, I love that because I, I think that is going to allow for the greatest possible amount of growth. And all with the way in which you're starting to narrow down and sort of segregating the conceptual needs of, say, like the collectible uh, creator collector, the art the artist creator collector, um, the event. Uh, creator user that you know this this separation of of needs i think is really essential um and so again applaud you for that i i want to change subject briefly there was in in the past month a major security breach at you know one of the uh nft marketplaces uh hick hick's I can't, I cannot figure out how to pronounce it, but in the market, most people call it either Hick or Hen. Uh, it's on the, it's the primary NFT marketplace on the Tezos blockchain. Uh, the, the, the hacker or hacker group was able to figure out how to come in a back door and basically steal NFTs, right? So they weren't stealing, um, you know, the wallet, they weren't stealing the tokens, the, the, the native token. They weren't stealing the money, so to speak. They were stealing the NFTs. And have you talked about this with your team? And have is there any, if you could give the, the, the audience a sense of, do you speak amongst uh, the community of, block, of blockchains and NFT platforms? Do you reach out and talk to like um, that mm-hmm. Tezos chain? Ask them, are they sharing any information about how it happened so that you can protect your chain? 
Um, just if you could elaborate a little bit on that. Mm. Sure, sure. Yeah, actually, you, you bring up a very important points uh, for, for the current market status. You know, uh, NFT is uh, just another type of token, right, on the blockchain. So by nature, it's, it's uh, uh, well, the hacker <laughs> will be very interested to, 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 to test it out. Because, you know, uh, no matter it's in Tezos or uh, in, in other blockchain, that's the same thing. So uh, NFT is, uh, is basically you issue it with just a, a contract, right? So, and then you use a marketplace or other business logic to, to host it, to trade it, and to store it, or, or to whatever ways to play with that. So there will be a lot of security holes uh, because this is a so early stage market. Uh, uh, a lot of things are very vulnerable, I would say. Uh, and, uh, and also in the past few uh, weeks, you can see the hacker attacked on BSC, right? A lot of a DeFi project also, uh, also become the victims. So uh, I think it's pretty natural in this stage uh, because the whole blockchain and also now we start to have uh, some early stage applications on top of blockchain. They are all in, uh, I would say, experimental uh, stage. We are, it's an exp uh, exper uh, experiment. Uh, we are doing it right together on blockchain and uh, building the e blockchain economy on top of that. Yeah. So that's, uh, that, that's the nature of that. It's not... Uh, well-established kingdom yet. So we should, uh, should be able to accept this uh, reality. At the same time, when we build uh, application, especially we are dealing with the well, valuable uh, NFT asset, we should be aware of this and be, uh, pay uh, well, deep attention to that. That's why, you know, uh, in Optic, uh, so we are not moving too quick on onto many type of uh, NFT assets yet, even though we can do that quickly, like a music, video, a lot of things. But uh, in our view, uh, there will be a lot of uh, security issue. Uh, we, we need to take care. Uh, something, some uh, we, we are aware of that. Uh, some we are don't, we don't. So that's why we want to be very careful because basically we are handling people's assets, right? It's not just a, uh, well, a message or something. Uh, so we should be very careful and we should be responsible for that. Uh, so uh, so I, I think those hacker uh, attacks are very healthy <laughs> for the industry mm -hmm. growth, even, even though they're they are creating some victims. So uh, yeah, so... Uh, so basically, I, I think we really need to pay attention to that. And also, uh, whatever business logic we build, we need to make sure there's, uh, uh, we have the security check. And also for some important uh, uh, assets related protocol, it should be have a security audit, right? So uh, I think moving on, uh, all these process should be taken into place. Uh, so that we can make sure, uh, announce to the people, this is a secure right. marketplace. You are secured. 
uh, uh, NFT asset vault. Yeah. Yeah. And so that audit process, is that something that Uptick engages in and or will engage in at, at, at a particular point? Yeah, actually, I have some friends that are running their, uh, well, <laughs> audit, uh, security audit uh, companies. Uh, a friend is also running it in Silicon Valley. So we have a lot of talk on this. So we uh, probably will get into that point uh, very soon because, you know, uh, currently we're building, uh, still enhancing or improving uh, all the basic blocks uh, on the optic. So once these are ready, we should do that. Uh, for example, just like I mentioned earlier, so we are uh, going to introduce st stable coin into that. Uh, but the, uh, you know, the stable coin uh, that will reflect the uh, the other tokens price, right? So basically, if you mark as a hundred US dollar, then people can pay by Iris token or pay by BNB, whatever. So uh, in that way, the price. Uh, will be very important. Uh, pri exchange price will be very important. So then we will introduce some DeFi function, uh, Oracle chain link uh, function here. And also we, we need to link to the price from some centralized exchange. So in order to make sure that will be stable and uh, uh, well, uh, well sustainable, we, we, we will put a lot of monitoring service on different uh, interface to make sure there's a no uh, well, security hole over there. Otherwise, you know, people can easily buy something with uh, zero token because uh, that price information is missing, right? So this is just an example. So there's a lot of considerations we need to put uh, when we expand the function into uh, uh, well, a better complicated uh, model, right, in order to provide a better user experience, that means also in, it might introduce a lot of security issues. Mm. Here. Now, with, with, the, with the USD coin um, uh, anchoring all of this, uh, do you, is there a, a certain amount of liquidity that you have to invest into the USDT? So that's, uh, uh, first, uh, we currently, we might uh, start uh, to uh, well, basically mark uh, the, uh, the 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 asset with USDT price, uh, but we are not uh, creating the liquidity pool for for ourselves. We just provide a opportunity for people to buy and sell uh, using stablecoin. So in the next step, in next step, if we have the say build a kind of like an optic uh, system. A stable coin uh, that will introduce the liquidity pool uh, to 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 well to share the liquidity with different other tokens to create a stable coin. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's the next step. Now, your your native coin on the blockchain. I know that's that's some time away with regards to becoming public. Is is that different than this? Uh, uptick stable coin there yeah, obviously you would have there would that would be a second coin yeah yeah that will be separate coin because we, we cannot combine them together uh, in one so basically uh, so that can be a kind of like a stable coin uh, optics 
stable coin. But I, I cannot say uh, exact how it it works yet because uh, our team is still building on the building the economy model on, uh, for that. On the other side, the optic coin and uh, optic token is more like a utility and a governance token for the community. So that can be a separate. Right. Hey, Brian, the last time we, we talked, uh, you were talking about like another version of Uptick on some sort of consortium blockchain. So it was like only within China, I think, and not using IRS. How's, how's that going? Yeah, the, the, there's a version, uh, we, uh, you can call it Mocha. So it's, uh, it's a version, what, but it's not, specific for Chinese market, but it's, uh, I would say it's more for regulated market who requires uh, 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 fiat payment uh, and, uh, and probably they don't allow a virtual currency payment. So that's the version for that. So basically uh, where, uh, where, where uh, the user can mint uh, the NFT asset on the consortium blockchain we are using. Uh, so, which is on the BSN called the Blockchain mm-hmm. Service Network uh, uh, in China, and also they have a, also their international version. So, basically, the assets is on on the blockchain, but on the uh, uh, on the top, the payment is uh, using the fiat payments like WeChat Pay, Alipay, uh, and uh, even like PayPal. Uh, and in China, we are also. Uh, waiting for the digital currency. China, you know, China has a DCEP, right? Digital mm. currency and the electronic payment, basically the digital currency of the China from central bank. So that's a, another type of a fiat payment. So we are going to incorporate cool. that into that consortium blockchain version. That's fascinating. Now, I'm curious, uh, this might be completely off subject, but with that DCEP, um, is that going to integrate into the global financial system in, in the near term, or is that something that's going to stay isolated to the Chinese financial market? Frankly, I, I don't know. So, and you know, a lot of uh, uh, countries' central bank are considering this uh, direction. Some are taking actions. Some are doing the research, right? So, uh so I, I don't know how it works uh, in the global space, but well, by, by nature, it should be available to the global space. But well, that's uh, something maybe beyond technology and the economy, right? So maybe a, a lot of political reasons will decide uh, the, the scope, how it can be used. I just try to understand in, in, in a simple application level, how can we use it right, to, to make sure it will reach out to the uh, general public in that uh, region. Excellent. Well, listen, let's, let's shift gears here a little bit. Now, I know you've been traveling and meeting a lot of different artists of uh, you know, various uh, walks of life and uh, levels of success. I was wondering if you could maybe go over some of those stories and tell us about some of these artists mm. that you've met, um, your maybe plans that you have in mm. in in um, partnership mm. or mm. whatnot. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a fun part. So you know, uh, in optic, uh, I I really put a lot of time on on, 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 on this uh, 
on this uh, corner because I really want to understand, get to know uh, the creators uh, who came to the Arctic and uh, who might be planning to the Arctic. So we want to understand what they want and what they want to express. For example, you know, uh, uh, I, I give you an example here in current Arctic uh, application. There are two uh, active, I would say creators. I, I cannot say uh, artist, but well, in my view, they are the same <laughs> because I, 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 I myself is uh, like an amateur uh, for this. Uh, so one, one, one person is called uh, Marceloni, right? So you can see a lot of sketches, uh, sketches from, from him. Uh, he is from the uh, Philippines. Uh, so I, I, I didn't, I, I don't know him, but I, 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 I talked to him uh, through the telegram uh, to ask him why he, he came to uh, Arctic. Uh, well, he, he just told me he, he is, a, actually he's a student. He's, he's a self-taught a traditional and a digital artist. Uh, in Philippines, and uh, so because uh, of that, he 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 tried to as a traditional artist. He tried to well, use uh, uh, pencils, ballpoint pen, and um, paint, uh, all kind of stuff as uh, his uh, medium, right? To to create his piece. Uh, at the same time, he he tried to uh, uh, he 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 is pretty active uh, uh, in different. Uh, exhibitions in his uh, school and also in his community. So, uh, so for 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 doing that, he get to know NFT and the digital art. So he started actually just uh, uh, a month ago. He started it. And so that's the time he he came to Arctic. He published his uh, sketches. Uh, so uh, so. I really like it. Yeah, actually, I don't know how, how, you, how you view it, Henry. <laughs> so actually, I can add to this story. And I, I, I think it's humble of him to not uh, fully disclose how he ended up on Optic. Um, but in my survey of other uh, spaces, I, I met him uh, at Twincy.io. And he was, at the time, he was struggling there uh, had had no sales. And I said to him, as I have now with several artists, I encouraged him to come over to Uptick because I spend a lot of time there and it would be easier for me to see what he was doing. I don't spend as much time, nearly as much time at, at any place else than Uptick. So he, uh, I helped him, walked him through uh, coming up and you know downloading the app, et cetera. Walked him onto Uptick and I asked him, um, he said to me, I am struggling because I don't have the technology. My family is very poor. Um, he needed a phone in order to improve what he was doing. And I, I said, listen, I said, how much is your phone that you need? And he said in pesos, I think he said seven or 8,000 pesos. And I, I didn't know how, what that was. And he says, $150 U.S. I said, okay, well, let's, let's, let, let's make a deal here. I said, I'm going to give you a topic. And the topic was loneliness. And I said, I want you to think about the idea of loneliness in the perspective of that you are lonely being outside of this dream that you ha are chasing as an artist 
in wanting to grow into the digital market and you're outside of it looking in, therefore you're lonely. And so I challenged him to make a work and that if, and that when I liked or when I could feel what exactly what I was looking for, that I would buy that work for a, the equivalent of $150 US and that he would be able to buy his phone and get, and get, and take the next step within the, within one day, mm. Brian, this, this kid probably sent me 25 sketches wow. of ideas that he had about the topic. And I found the one that I loved and I said, okay, mint it and charge 150 uh, US dollars. And so he did it. And that was the first piece that I bought from him on uptick. It was his first sale. And of course, none of this is known to the public, but I loved the, I loved the piece. I loved his interpretation. I bought it. And, and then three days later, he sent me photographs on telegram of the phone that he got in the mail uh, through Amazon, I think. And, uh, and then from there, that's when you started to see his earlier sketches started to evolve into more complex uh, sketches because he had a more uh, powerful phone. He was able to download different um, photo uh, editing apps, et cetera, because it had more storage. So that, that I just wanted to add that to the story of uh, Marcelino because I had been talking to him for a while too. And, and I find it so exciting that you're having these conversations with him and I'm having these conversations with him. And he's a young artist. I, I would say I think I'm a mentor to him and I, I like to mentor young artists. I do that in, in my real life, in my, I should say, my analog life. Uh, I do that as well. Um, I work in local universities uh, helping grad students understand how to utilize art and therapy, uh, which you know that well, actually. This is not a new topic. But anyway, so yeah. Marcelino, he's he was the first artist that I brought over to Uptick, and uh, I just wanted to add that to the mix because I think you you and I are on the same page as far as uh, welcoming new young talent and making them feel comfortable and helping them and mentoring them and giving them space to grow. Yeah, that's uh, that's a wonderful story <laughs> because of the Uptick, we we connect people together. Yeah, that's uh, wonderful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, actually, I want to share another thing. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, another uh, lady who did uh, a lot of ske sketches, right? So Henry, you also uh, probably, uh, well, realized uh, in the past few weeks. So she is a, actually, she's a, my, I mean, she's a friend of mine. So we uh, lost contact for, for several years because we are working in different domains. Uh, her name is Tan Meng. Uh, so he, she actually, the other day I, 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 I met him. So I asked her what, what she is doing. She just told me she became a new mom, uh, have a new baby. So, uh, so that's wonderful. So on the other side, I asked her, uh, how about your sketches? Because I, I, I know she uh, told me she, she would uh, draw uh, one sketches uh, per day, uh, like uh, several years ago. So, uh, so, for, so, so this time I just found she actually really continued that efforts. So every day in past six and a half years, every day she tried to, uh, she draw our sketches. Uh, so 
ask him why, right? She, she just told me, she, she just find uh, uh, there's a good habit to uh, help herself, uh, to express herself. At the same time, the, the reason she tried to do that is like uh, five or six years ago, she uh, tried to make a, uh, well, just uh, a decision. Like uh, she, she tried to draw something to give uh, to her future child. Uh, she doesn't know what uh, she needs to draw, uh, draw but she, she just keep doing that, just like her writing a diary for, for every day. So I'm glad she, she made it. And uh, I, I invited her to Optic. I say, okay, just post it here. So that can uh, also make uh, you uh, make connections to new friends, right? So maybe you don't express yourself too much, but your work will, will express it for you uh, to attract some people who is similar, who is, uh, have the same value system. Yeah, that's another story I want to share with you. So maybe the work she did is pretty, uh, well, um, premature, but I, I think the story behind it is, is, is very, very moving to me. <laughs> it, it certainly is. And I actually, I think I have in my collection on Uptick now, maybe eight or nine of works. Yeah, um, yeah I, I actually think a lot of them are... Mm. A lot of not uh, a lot of them have real special a real special feeling about them. Mm. Uh, they're whimsical. Uh, their whimsy, I should say, is powerful. You know, and, and that seems a bit um, paradoxical, but whimsy and lightheartedness is not easy to capture in a drawing. Um, it, that it, and to, to make it whimsical and lighthearted and that it's also uh, it also appears impactful, intentful and diaristic. I feel that sense of the diary, right? Mm. The artistic diary or the, the journalistic daily drawing. Um, it, it, th there is some kind of like psychic resonance in her work and it's very Maybe it's immature at the moment, but it's there. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, she doesn't hit it on every sketch, but she hits it on a lot of them. Mm. And um, I'm really, you know, I'm excited for her. I hope she uh, stays with it and stays with Uptick because I, I look forward to, um, you know, seeing her sketches. I, 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 I keep looking to see if there's a date like, you know, yesterday, but the, we, we're still back years, you know. Uh, so I, 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 if you talk to her again, you should say maybe she should uh, at least once a week mm. publish a sketch from the week we're in so that we have a sense of her past, her present, and then we can start to anticipate her future. Um, I really would love to see some of her sketches like from in the last few days mm. uh, whenever I look and, and mostly they're from years ago. Mm. Uh, but that's something you could pass along. I, I even reached out to her. Well, actually, I think I reached out to you hoping to uh, solicit a commission on uh, particular portraits. But I, I think you said she was maybe um, uh, nervous and not yet feeling comfortable to take on su such a such a work. But. Yeah, I, I'm excited about her. Her as well joining up to. Yeah, yeah, I, I will. I will 
uh, uh, tell her uh, what you said. So, so actually, she she was uh, very excited uh, when she put his work on Optic and, and uh, play with uh, NFT. So, so currently, you know, uh, she probably tried to collect some good works. Uh, she she feel she she did before and posted on Optic. But what you said is correct. So we really want to see the new updates, right? So new diary uh, from her uh, on Optic. It will be more interesting and more meaningful. So we can also track it. Uh, so actually I told her, so, you know, uh, this uh, the Beeple's story is uh, like past 5,000 days, right? So so what she, what she did is also similar to that, but it, maybe it's more, there, there, will, there will be more stories behind it. So that's something I'm, I'm looking for. So uh, yeah, to bring a more meaningful people and more meaningful thing to the optic to create such stickiness and to build a community for, for, for artists, creators, and collectors. Well, and just to expand on how the uptick space can improve with something like a profile page blog mm. uh, for artists, somebody like her would benefit immensely from minting a sketch from, a, from say, whatever, this week, and she mints that NFT, and that NFT can get, then get uh, get coordinated, get be coordinated with her blog and her artist profile, like say for the day, and she can make a, a brief statement about its uh, significance to her because it's diaristic. It's stuff like that that extending the narrative behind a work is incredibly valuable um, to prompting collection. Now, when you have just something as simple as like a, a two word phrase or a title and it's not very descriptive. And then the work itself is somewhat vague and maybe, you know, the sketch is, is historically associated with the study. The study is historically associated with an eventual finished work. And I don't really think that that's her MO. So she's not doing these studies because She's in preparation for making larger works that are then considered her finished works. These are her finished works because she's a diaristic sketch artist. And I don't necessarily think that that narrative is clear. Mm. Um, and, 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 and in that way, as having a way to communicate that and to develop that dialogue within Uptick, that's when I say, like, these are the kinds of features that, you know, artists will, will gain on collectability and gain on you know, the value to the public by being able to communicate more information than just uh, the work itself. So just just throwing that out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really good. I would tell her. <laughs> yeah. So actually, she, she really want to express herself, you know, after maybe uh, uh, several years. Uh, so she's trying to find a different ways to do that. She actually early stage. He he was a she was a journalist. She 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 can write. She can write a lot. So so right now uh, maybe uh, she, she's busy with uh, her new baby. But of course he 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 is trying to find a different ways to express herself right now. So what you said is exactly. So we we need to from uh, let a person who ex, who 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 can express himself uh, from different dimensions, 
right, different angles. Mm -hmm. The optic cannot hold everything, but we can be a hub to connect all those informations together as long as people want to Correct. To, to browse or explore. Right, exactly. Um, and I could give you an update on Bellardinelli, uh, Daniel. Mm. And I mean, I'll add this story to this podcast. So, you know, Daniel is a very successful, established, uh, traditional artist, uh, works out of New York City, his art studio. Um, he shows internationally. Uh, you know, he's he's one of those people that had, a you know, kind of a gifted career, um, ran in very famous circles as a young man. Uh, and to this day, you know, he sells. He sells at the highest level and he works through galleries. He just had a sold out solo show in Copenhagen um, not too long ago. I believe it launched maybe two weeks ago and he sold out in two days. You know, this is uh, 16 works. I think he he shipped off to Copenhagen and it was sold out in two days. Mm -hmm. So you know, this is the kind of artist that I'm looking at uh, to bring over to Uptick. And the analog artists of today are mostly standing on the outside looking in. Um, I have another artist in mind. Uh, actually, I have two other artists in mind right now that I'm going to be bringing over to Uptick in the near future. Uh, one of which we'll talk about at the close of the show today. Uh, Kamachi. Uh, she's out of Japan. And this other gentleman that I'm going to bring over is a block print artist he actually do, mostly does woodblock carving prints and i uh i purchased one of his prints not too long ago he's very reasonable uh prices and he was like typical of what i'm seeing in analog artists is that they work in these physical mediums like you know screen printing block printing aquatint um you know oil painting acrylic painting sculpture and they're not digitally oriented. They don't know the technology. They're really not sure um, what, how to bring what they do into the NFT market. And so one of the ideas I have that I want to discuss with you off, off the show is creating a tutorial uh, or a uh, message to the analog artist, which is breaks down for them how their life's work can be valuable as NFT in the simplest way possible. Like that they do not have to be a digital artist per se. They don't have to have guru skill set with, you know, illustrator and Photoshop in order to become an NFT artist on uptick that what you need to understand is that the, the what's valuable about a valuable about your art art, in general, can be translated as simply as through a photograph mm -hmm. um, of that work itself. You know, the photographic translation of a three-dimensional work is sufficient to build an NFT and that that could then build your market in the space. So I, I wanted to do something like that with you um, in the team. But so, yeah, so I, I, I'm talking mm -hmm. to him about coming over to Uptick mm -hmm. and Daniel you know, he has now, I think, minted four or five pieces, all of which have been collected in the first day uh, after minting. He's extremely happy about that. Uh, his price point in the NFT market, uh, justifiably so, you know, he's selling his works for under what the equivalent of $100 US. And I would say that in the his market, like in Copenhagen, you know, his traditional analog market prices are probably ranging from one to 10,000. Mm. 
um, dollars U.S. So, you know, people don't don't realize that, you know, when the analog artists come over, they're very nervous, timid. They don't really understand their valuation in the digital art markets. And they're going to be reluctant to to seek out those those prices. You know, they're going to be reluctant, reluctant to charge what they command in the analog market. So for the would-be collector in the digital space, as you start to see these reputable analog artists come into the space, consider collecting them just because, you know, they're an asset class already. They're bringing a lifetime of work and valuation growth from a different market, but the asset class is the same because ultimately NFT art will be just fall into a, the category of art. It stands on the outside looking in still uh, for a lot of reasons, which we discuss on many podcasts here, but all those reasons are eventually going to fade away and you're going to see the NFT art market is going to stabilize as just another you know, uh, movement within the larger category of art uh, globally and historically. Yeah, I think what you said is a very uh, valuable because you know, I also bet a lot of... Uh, uh, traditional artists, they are pretty uh, well curious, or some of them are very anxious uh, to to understand uh, how to uh, step into this uh, so-called digital art and uh, NFT-based uh, digital art. But most of them don't don't have a clue, and they don't understand how it works and how it can be evaluated. Uh, so yeah, I I think they really need people like you. Uh, so you have both experience on the analog and uh, digital world and also build some success story already, especially can um, introduce uh, a, a very good uh, methodology and also maybe tools uh, to them. Uh, so to help them to get started. So the, I think currently this is a big gap between the traditional artist and also this uh, digital NFT world. So we need such bridge uh, to, 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 to help them. Yeah, we should look at the possibility of, of creating some kind of uh, marketing material yeah. like um, a video uh, orientation for uh, would-be or potential analog artists that are considering moving over into the space and where we break down like say traditional art mediums and how they could translate. Like, I think that would be something that if we could circulate that, you know, maybe through uh, the digital, the digital platforms of the analog market um, media centers, like, uh, you know, um, uh, there's lots of different um, art magazines that have digital online uh, marketplaces where, you know, you could actually put out. Uh, an advertisement that is a that particular video inviting them to uptick yeah. um, with that breakdown of how their their traditional art mediums translate something simple something easy you know that there could be some really valuable advertising in in, in something like that totally i think like something short maybe one minute and you could even make it part of the uptick app i think so you could like put a part in there where you type in your favorite artist's Twitter address. And then from there, it links to their Twitter page and sends a post. And part of that is like a one minute video and then get people liking it on Twitter. I think, I think that could do wonders. 
Yeah, so the, that, that, that's a good idea. So actually, I, I want to say is uh, uh, I was thinking even in Optic, uh, no matter it's on web or app, we can have an editorial column, right? So, so we can post this kind of uh, uh, articles or uh, uh, tutorials over there for, for, for the uh, users, uh, I mean, creators who go to the Optic, they can uh, study and learn from that and they get put, it, put their hands on that. So that's uh, uh, these kind of uh, uh, articles can also be shared by success uh, artists on the Optic. Right, so basically, we can help each other to 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 well to to uh, find the value in in this uh, digital economy. I think the articles are good. It's a step in the right direction, but mm, I could be wrong. From my point of view, I think a lot of the analog artists really need a push. Mm. I don't. I don't think they're going to be actively seeking out. You know, they would have figured it out by now if they were interested, but. There's, it's just so mysterious to them. But I think if their fans start saying, hey, man, get on this, this is how to do it. And then other people say, yeah, get on it. And more and more people, you know, like that Twitter post, they're going to be like, whoa, maybe there's something to this. And then from there, they might get into it. Agree. Agree. If you make it simple enough, like, you know, it would be easy for me to say, like, categorically, you know, all right, uh, Aqua Tint, let's talk about Aqua Tint, you know, woodblock carving, um, screen printing. If you're this kind of artist, consider this, you know, okay, let's talk to the uh, traditional oil and acrylic painter. If you're this type of artist, this is how you can translate into the NFT market. Uh, if you're a sculptor, here's, you know, here are options. You know, if you would like to even step out further and dabble in uh, digitizing the work that you, that exists in the analog world, here are simple apps and, and photo editing software programs mm. that as an introductory level don't require a collegiate education to, you know, to, to work around like, say, Photoshop or Illustrator. There's a lot of things that we could bring into a tutorial that would help analog artists feel comfortable just jumping right in. And I think that would be something to, that we should look into uh, when we have the time. Um, and, you know, and, and, and also I wanted to, to tell you, uh, Brian, today we're going to do something that as a segment, uh, I wanted to add a segment to not all of our podcasts, but some of our podcasts uh, about sort of like introducing an artist or not so much a critique, but, you know, an open view or a dialogue about an artist and their particular work. And this is another artist that I'm bringing over to Uptick in the near future, uh, who is a digital artist now, but who I believe, um, you know, historically was before the NFT market came to be, was focused on uh, developing that work, uh, you know, with traditional art mediums. And, and she's fantastic talent, um, very unique, uh, rooted in Japanese traditional art uh, history in a certain types of art history from Japan that I want to go over and. I was wondering if you have looked at that piece that uh, John sent over in the email. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. So I, I'm just about uh, to ask you, <laughs> can you share me more about that? Yeah. So uh, her name is Kamachi. Uh, she lives in Japan. Mm. Um, what, you're, what you're looking at here uh, is kind of rooted in a couple of different 
yes. traditional styles of Japanese uh, uh, screen print. On the one hand, the, the older style of uh, mm. Shunga, which kind of goes back to the Edo dynasty, uh, is traditional erotic Japanese art in printmaking. And um, the that is there. That is the most sort of ancient um, contribution to the Japanese art in, 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 with regards to erotic uh, art. You know, in her work, there's a lot more going on. Um, you have kind of a nod to uh, what became very famous in the last 50 years, uh, another movement called Kimbaku, uh, Kimbaku uh, Japanese Bondage, um, as, a, as a next generation or next elevation in erotic art is very fascinating. Um, it's not for everybody. It has been widely criticized uh, because of its graphic nature and it's very rarely subtle. Um, but this is where I think Kamachi is quite brilliant in how she's developed out of the what would be considered in the uh, more, mm. you know, uh, puritanical West as a bit pornographic um, as far as. You know, you look at an artist um, uh, like Seu, uh, Ido Seu in Japan, who's, you know, was was responsible for for bringing the the rope bondage as a subject matter into high art in Japan, where, you know, now he's uh, considered one of the top artists, certainly a, a top photographers of the last 50 years, uh, probably a top 100 most significant photographer his in, uh, impact on, you know, uh, photography in general, the erotic subject matters, um, it, what he did was radical. And, and, and it's been widely, now it's widely considered to be a lasting contribution uh, in the canon. So rope bondage, is, as it's known, again, kimbaku. Um, again, hope I'm not butchering the Japanese because I don't speak Japanese but I do speak move art movements. Um, that is the transition from Shunga, uh, which you mostly see historically as the partnering of a man and woman, a man and man, because there's a lot of also um, homosexuality in the, uh, over the, over the generations that's depicted in, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that's depicted in Shunga uh, art, erotic art. Uh, not frowned upon. Again, very interesting that Japan is so sort of uh, bewildering and, and, and progressive uh, in its erotic art as, a, as compared to what you see evolve out of the West along the same time frame. I mean, you're going back, you know, to pre-romanticism uh, in the time frames and, you know, it's just prudish in the West and it's savagely not prudish, you know, in the East, uh, which is fascinating. Um, you know, it, so there's that. Um, mm. But so she she moves out of Shunga, but is influenced by Shunga. It, again, Shunga te tends to always have pairing involved, the pairing of two uh, figures. But then you have this um, Kimbaku movement, which she's clearly more directly quoting. Uh, but then she's she's incredibly contemporary in how she's uh, extrapolating the the, the, the aesthetic expectations uh, 
that you that you have with Kimbaku arts. That is, you typically a woman suspended uh, in in bondage, but typically also the um, subject of the male gaze. And this is where she breaks from that tradition in a radical way and where she destabilizes the tradition in a radical way. She's kind of off-putting the male gaze. And one of the ways she does that is by the dislocation and dismembering and abstracting of the female form um, to an extreme that it, it borders on becoming unattractive while still holding together by a thread of aesthetic beauty. Right. So where the th the beauty is, is, is an aesthetic thread versus a traditional sort of in your face um, cliche beauty. Right. Or a cliche eroticism, her eroticism or even her sense of beauty is 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 more highly aestheticized. And, and this is relatively new. This is a new voice that I haven't seen before. Um, in these traditional art mediums, coming out of these traditional art mediums with the, with the Japanese traditions. Uh, so I wanted to point her out and talk about her a little bit today. Um, and just to point out in the piece that we're looking at, you know, she is not, or I should say the figure in this particular piece is not bound by rope, but there are, there is a fragmented or frayed rope uh, or at least symbolically, it's present in those wispy lines that are surrounding the figure. Um, <clears throat> so after saying all that, uh, I would ask you if you have any comment about what you're looking at and if you had any experience with that style of art from Japan. Uh, yeah, I, I, I probably I, I cannot say too much on this, but I... I, I... And when I look at the picture that uh, John sent, uh, I, I feel, well, it's pretty uh, oriental uh, style, but there's a lot of uh, elements yeah. in that. You know, it's just a white, black, uh, red, and uh, a little bit gray, right? So the color is uh, pretty simple. And uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, it just makes me feel it's kind of a new style. Uh, I, 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 I'm exploring <laughs> in, in the art world. You know, the, the other day, uh, well, maybe this is off the topic. Uh, the other day I was uh, reading a book about a, uh, another Japanese artist called Kusama Yayui. You know that? Uh, so so, yeah. so I, I, I'm still reading that book. I, 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 probably I found that he, she is also a very famous artist you might be like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kusama Yayui. So she, she actually had a co-exhibition with uh, like Andy Warhol uh, so in New York uh, together. So uh, so-called a modern artist of a 21st century. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kusama is the, the most widely hailed, most famous current living yeah. pop artist. I mean, that's what she is. Uh, she became globally iconic with a, a, um, a piece called Infinity Room. Mm. The Infinity Room uh, is like you walk in as the viewer to a room that she's designed with uh, infinity mirrors where it feels like you you look off into the 
into the infinity because of the way in which the installation of mirrors is is designed. And then within that uh, within that infinity, uh, she has projected color and light and um, shape in such a way that you're completely immersed in infinity that is both felt and seen. Uh, and so that that really is what the whole world came to know her when her shows uh, everywhere that were that had the infinity room, they were selling out, you know, uh, the entire show would be sold out in days, you know, and people would be waiting in lines around the block for the, the possibility of a no show uh, to get in as a, you know, as a standby. Um, but she's all over the map, man. I mean, she's into just about everything. And um, yeah, so I, I am a big fan of her work. Uh, she's also wild. I don't know if you've, if you've like looked into her, her profile pictures yeah, and whatnot yeah, I, that you can find that. around, but her, yeah, her, her hair is uh, usually as wild as her art, uh, you know, red hair. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh. great. And and have you seen her, any of the her uh, installations with gourds that she uh, she uses gourds and then she'll like um, make them polka dotted? Uh, she's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. love her. Yeah. Yes, I ever ever. I'm glad you know about her. She's she's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So I think probably in the future podcast you can also uh, introduce more great artist right uh, because you you have very good understanding on the art history and also the modern art so i i think you know uh, the reason i really enjoy this uh, journey uh, with arctic is uh, uh the time i i started to do that and uh, the time i publish it it kind of like a connect me to different world to different people uh without that maybe i i I was not even have chance uh, to get across to those people. That's a wonderful journey to myself too. It also uh, pushing me to study and also very enjoyable to study this kind of art history and art type and uh, well, all the methodologies people are using for the new digital artist. Yeah, I love that we've made contact and I, I look forward to this ongoing relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm really happy. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. We've really exhausted uh, the updates and, and had a, a fantastic conversation and dialogue. I enjoy it. I look forward to our next uh, show together. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything you'd like to say in closing today or anything uh, last uh, that we might not have covered that you uh, wanted to cover? Uh, well, I, I think we have covered a lot. Uh, so we have uh, we can uh, we can talk about this uh, endlessly. But one thing I want to point out is, uh, well, this is a very wonderful opportunity for me actually to know you, Henry, and also John uh, through this optic uh, journey. So I really think we 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 already uh, build kind of like uh, good connections on this. Uh, on the philosophical level and also on the this application uh, product level. So I really enjoy this process and uh, I think we can work very close to make uh, something wonderful together. That's great to hear. I look forward to it. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be great. Well, thank you, Brian. All right. My good friend, Brian. Mm. Uh, thank you again for us here at Ars Cryptoctica. Thank you very much, Brian. Good night. <laughs> thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.